This is Beyond Busy. I'm Graham Alcott. I'm the author of a number of books, including the global bestseller, How to Be a Productivity Ninja. And I'm the founder of Think Productive. We help people to make space for what matters and get more done. And we partner with some of the world's leading companies who share our mission to transform the world of work. Beyond Busy is where I explore the often messy truths and contradictory relationships around topics like work-life balance, happiness and success, and explore with interesting people what makes them tick. In short, this is where we ask the bigger questions about work. My guest today is Olivier Roland. Olivier is a French blogger and entrepreneur and the author of The Way of the Intelligent Rebel. The book has been a runaway hit in France and now the new English language translation brings his ideas to a wider audience. So in this episode, we get geeky around learning how to develop your willpower, productivity, and designing a lifestyle to get you beyond busy and change your relationship with the news. This is Olivier Roland. I'm with Olivier Roland. Did I say that? Did I say that right? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, so welcome to Beyond Busy, Olivier. And we're going to talk about your book, The Way of the Intelligent Rebel. Um, so where where are you where are you in the world right now? Let's um, start with where you're at. So right now I'm in Paris, and I will take my flight back to Dubai, where I live tomorrow. Okay, and um, I read somewhere that you you travel about six months of the year. Is that right? Yes, I, I have been yeah. doing that for like eleven years now. A little bit less in 2020, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. And um, do you go back to the same places? Are you always somewhere new? Like, what's your approach to to moving around. So when I started to, to travel really a lot, uh, I really wanted to explore as many places as possible. But uh, after a while, I really uh, started to fall in love with some places. And now I, I, I see myself coming back to these places and more and more or to countries too. Uh, I always say, if you say, hey, I've been to Luxembourg, uh, you can say I've been to Luxembourg, but if you say I've been to Brazil or the US, it doesn't mean anything because it's so big. You, you can go like 20 times to these countries and always see something different, right? That's true. That's true. Um, and where do you where do you find yourself falling in love with? Like, which are the places that you're so, most happy? Uh, uh, quite a few places. Uh, I really love uh, the Philippines and uh, the island of Palawan. Uh, and on this island, there is a, a, a city called El Nido on the north that is amazing. You know, it's like... Uh, you know, white sand beach and uh, uh, coconut trees and uh, crystal clear water, these kind of things, you know. I really love also Jiricoacora uh, in, in, uh, in Brazil. It's one of the best spots to do, uh, best spot in the world to do uh, kitesurf. Uh, and, and an amazing, like, uh, small village in the middle of natural reserve. It's, it's really amazing. Uh, quite a few places, actually. But uh, also, I love Portugal. I really love Lisbon. Yeah. It's my favorite city yeah. in, uh, in Europe. Um, yeah, I mean, I could, I could continue for a long time. I really like a lot, quite a few places, but that, I would say it's, it's a top three, you know? Well, it sounds like um, we're going to be uh, firing up the, the jealousy receptors in uh, everybody's <laughs> brains as you talk about the coconut trees. And there's a lot of people, including myself, actually, I've not been on a plane since uh, the pandemic started, partly out of choice because just the idea of having to navigate all the restrictions and bureaucracy or whatever like I just yeah I've, I've just sort of taken the decision that it's just easier to keep it simple until everything blows over but I think there's a lot of people kind of really pining to to move around and have that freedom which I guess leads us nicely onto the way of the intelligent rebel um because a lot of what you're talking about in that book essentially you know it boils down to to freedom um so should we start with um the backstory of it so um like, how come you ended up with this lifestyle where you're moving around and you're running your own thing? And um, like, how did all of that come about for you? Sure, uh, I will try to make it a short story. Uh, <laughs> I, I dropped school at 18 to, to start my first company. Um, it was a, an IT company uh, and it was a great, great adventure. But, uh, you know, I, I had like the typical uh, lifestyle of uh, busy entrepreneur, meaning I was working 60, 70 hours a week, um, which was great at the beginning, you know, at the beginning, it doesn't matter. You're just so excited about creating and growing a company that uh, it's actually great. But after a few years, I wanted to have a bit more balance in my life. 
and I, I realized with a, a shock that this company I created to be uh, to have more freedom in my life uh, was actually a jail I created for myself because uh, I couldn't see how to sell it. I couldn't see how to uh, spend less time in the company. I couldn't see how to, uh, you know, I couldn't stop it because it was my only source of income. Uh, and I, I felt trapped in my own business. And it was not a good uh, feeling to have, you know. And I, I looked for solution for years. And I read a book um, in 2008, The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I'm sure you, you know about it, you know. And uh, this book gave me um, like the, the goal, you know, uh, because it's, it's a book about, you know, to, uh, how to create a, an internet business uh, that uh, gives you a lot of freedom. And I decided to, to try these. I started uh, with blogs. And uh, the third blog I created actually um, uh, was a successful blog. And I, I became a pro blogger because of this blog. And Gradually, I started to sell the assets of my first company, and I started to 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 travel all around the world. And now, uh, yeah, I have only an internet business. Uh, there are like we are close to thirty people in the team, but we don't have any office. We don't have office hours. Uh, people work from from wh wherever they want, you know, all over the world. And uh, I travel six months a year, which is awesome. <laughs> And that whole journey, so for anyone who's listening to this on podcast form rather than watching this on YouTube, I mean, you're still quite a young guy, right? Like, so how, how old are you now? Can you guess? <laughs> oh, don't put me on the spot. <laughs> I mean, I would say you're still in your 20s. Oh, late no. Oh, thank late you very 20s, much. No? Actually, I just uh, celebrated my 41th birthday uh, two, are you few days serious? ago. Yes, I, I know I look younger. Uh, usually people say I'm like 35, you know, but... Uh, I was going to say you're like 20, 28, 29. Wow, thank you. Thank Seriously? You. Maybe <laughs> it's the webcam too, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I really uh, also, I, I focus a lot of on my health, you know, and yeah. uh, I, I, yeah. try, I try to live the longest possible with the best health possible. So maybe it helps. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so no, I, I started like um, my entrepreneurship journey uh, 20, 22 years ago, 21 yeah. and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. Well, we'll come back to the health thing later because um, it's a subject close to my heart. But I, I don't look anywhere near as young as you, and I'm 43. So uh, we'll come back to that later. Um, so um, the book had a very different title in French, um, which is just really satisfying. So I, ha I have to get you to repeat the French title. And then we'll talk about uh, what is an intelligent rebel. So in France, the title was... Okay, it's tout le monde n'a pas eu la chance de rater ses études. I mean, it just sounds and... like poetry to me. It's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if you translate uh, word for word, it's like uh, not everyone had the chance to fail at his studies, you know, something like this. So in French, it's an amazing title. It's very hard for someone to see this title and not take the book to see what it is about. But uh, a lot of American and British friends, you know, said, uh, well, uh, in English, it's very bad. So <laughs> we, we had to, to, to come up with, a, with another title for, for yeah. the English version. And I just I really like the idea of the intelligent rebel, um, partly because it sort of appeals to my own uh, sense of contrarian rebellion, I guess. Um, but do you want to just uh, talk us through what is an intelligent rebel? Sure. Uh, so it can be someone who has a lot of success, you know, like a great career in a good company, uh, you know, yeah, a good job, a good uh, family, a good spouse, a good house, a good car, everything. But this person feels that some, something is missing from the inside, you know. Um, it, this person feels that if he continues like that, uh, something is going to be off in his life or her life. And um, usually, what the little voice is saying is to experiment more creation in their life. Um, and it, also, it can also be uh, someone who is in the school system and doesn't feel like uh, really well integrated into it. It can feel like a misfit, like uh, someone uh, that is not good uh, because the school system is not designed for, for this kind of person. I, I, we, we can get back to that after. But basically, um, Usually, the intelligent trouble, he wants to create something new. 
it cannot be satisfied only by following the path that uh, society uh, give him, you know? So it can be artistic creation, you know, like writing a book or I don't know, like a script for, for a theater piece. It can be uh, the creation of, of an adventure, like doing a world tour for one year, for example. Or it could be uh, the creation of uh, his company. And um, in my book, I, I mean, my message is first to tell the intelligent rebels, maybe you are an intelligent rebel. So uh, if you are good news, there is nothing wrong with you. Understand that the, the school system and the work system was not designed with your type of people in mind. Uh, because when you look at the, um, the, the story of uh, the school system in the Western world, it was more or less, depending on the countries, but more or less created at the end of the 19th century. Uh, with one goal in mind, it was to have uh, productive people in an industrial society, meaning uh, good factory workers, good employees, good soldiers, you know? So people with the knowledge to operate in a society with machines, uh, and, uh, you know, like very structured society, but also who was able to follow orders and not too creative, not too rebellious, because back in the days, uh, these kind of people could actually really create revolutions. Uh, in France, for example, in uh, 1870, which was just a few years before school was made mandatory for, for everyone, uh, there was a, a revolution in Paris called La Commune. And it was a communist revolution that took Paris for like a few months. And it was a very bloody, uh, bloody uh, thing. So uh, at the time, governments and the system was very, very uh, like, uh, cautious about people who were going a bit too much uh, outside of the path. Uh, so, but today, so people who are creative, who are adventurers, who are rebels, uh, can feel really bad in this system. And usually they will uh, think something is wrong with them. And I'm just saying, hey, nothing is wrong with you. And it, it's actually a strength if you know how to play your cards right. Yeah, and so you talk a lot in the book about the idea of lifelong learning and ways that we can think about educating ourselves, um, almost like despite the school system or in a very different way um, to the school system. So do you think there's, um, I mean, like some people obviously do very well at school. So do you think it's about personality type? Like what, what is it that distinguishes the people who um, really seem to gain a lot from being in that system and go through work as really good employees versus the ones who struggle or feel constrained or trapped and, and that kind of thing? Yeah, so um, it's, I mean, it's a complex situation. You can be good at school for a lot of reasons and bad also for a lot of reasons. I, I mean, I do criticisms of this education system, but I'm not saying that uh, it's uh, completely bad, you know, and uh, obviously there are good things to, to take from it. I'm just saying that it's like a human system and like ev every human system, it's imperfect and you need to be aware of the imperfections because this school sy education system is so uh, big and uh, slow that any, uh, you know, um, any evolution is going to be, is going to take decades. So you cannot wait for the system to reform itself. You need to be aware of the problems and to uh, you know, uh, overcome them by yourself. Uh, and one of the problems I highlight I, I, I in the book is that a lot of people, they leave the, the education system and they don't have this habit of educating their, themselves regularly for their life. And it's one of the biggest failures of the, of the system because I mean, in the 21st century, if you, you don't uh, educate yourself all the time, you're gonna be left out at some point because society is evolving so fast that we, there is no guarantee your job will exist in 30 years, you know? So you need to be aware of this, you need to, to stay agile, you need to, you know, to become a better person uh, every day, uh, at least try to do. Um, so uh, people can be good at school uh, if they, they f if they are like the avatar the school system was designed for. But also, as I said, uh, an intelligent robot can be successful. You know, it, it just feels like something is missing. And you know, and you see plenty of people who. Uh, were doing great in school. And some of them, it was because they wanted to uh, make their parents happy. Uh, some of them, it's because they really believe in the system. But in the end, they, they still feel something is missing. Uh, and some people can feel a bit uh, cheated, actually. They, they're like, yeah. hey, I, I followed everything the system told I did, me to I do. Did, I did what I was asked to do, yeah. 
yeah and i have this great diploma this great job this great everything but sorry i'm not happy something is missing mm. you know yeah and so that's one of the message of the book like uh maybe explore creation what do you want to create in the world that may, will make you happy and maybe will make you money and make make maybe will give you some freedom to to explore yeah. that more and there's just something inspiring about the way you talk about um you know learning learning on your own terms um, and one of the things that i've always struggled with in my life is learning languages i was never good at it at school um i've always in the years since just whenever i visit anywhere i just feel guilty that i don't really speak the language i have a very basic french and a very basic german from school and that's that's it but your book kind of really inspired me to to rethink that and look at learning languages so do you want to talk about learning languages and it feels like it's a really good example or a really good sort of metaphor for just the general principle of of continuous learning sure uh, i mean Obviously, uh, all the native English speakers are at a disadvantage here because uh, English is the lingua, lingua franca of the world, right? So uh, it's easy to be lazy when you're a native English speaker. Uh, all the system is rigged, so you, you, if you are lazy, it's fine. It's still fine. You can still travel and people will understand you. Um, even though I, will say, I would say uh, sometimes it's easier to be understood when you're not a native English speaker because uh, when you speak a perfect British or American English for the people who speak a broken English, sometimes it's harder to get, you know. But uh, yeah, so uh, one of the th uh, I think l l language learning is not only about the ability to communicate uh, when you travel, which is very important, and also to educate yourself. Uh, it's also another way of thinking. Uh, about the world. L language is an interface between your thoughts and reality. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a native French speaker. I speak good English, even though I still have a, a strong French accent. Uh, and when I, sometimes I, I think in English, and when I think in English, I don't think the same way as in French. You know, some things are different. And uh, sometimes, you know, when I speak in French, uh, the, the words that come to me sometimes is they are in English first. Because sometimes, you know, there is this nuance, this little thing that is a little bit more uh, connect, well-connected to reality in English and in French, and vice uh, versa, of course. Sometimes the words in French are also better. So, for example, the word uh, accountability in English, it's not so easy to translate in French. You need a, a whole sentence to convey the meaning. Uh, so that's one of the things, you know, uh, in French, there are other words that are hard to translate in English. I don't have anyone in mind, any in mind right now, but yeah. Uh, so it's, an, it's another way of thinking. It also opens your mind. And I mean, when you learn a new language to the point uh, when, where you are able to read in the other language, you realize that a lot of content of books are not translated, you know? And uh, you open yourself to a whole new world of culture, education, and things to learn. Uh, so, I mean, I think Everyone should try to learn at least one foreign language. Um, obviously, the biggest factor, I think, is motivation. And uh, you, you mentioned you learned some French and German at school. I mean, it's a very common story of people learning a language at school and forgetting everything. Because first, maybe they don't have the motivation. They don't see why they need to learn these in the first place. And then they don't practice. So my advice would be choose the language that you have the most chance to use, really, in your life. Uh, maybe because you like uh, the country or the culture or you have this, uh, I don't know, this ability to travel there quite often. So uh, besides French and English, I'm also learning uh, Portuguese uh, because I love, as I mentioned, I love Portugal, I love Brazil. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's also easy because it's close to the French language, you know, uh, and I, I really love it. And there are a lot of studies that show that uh, people who learn, uh, who, who can speak in another language, they are, uh, you know, more open-minded, uh, a little bit more flexible in their way of thinking. And also it can be a protection against some disease like uh, Alzheimer, you know. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a great way. And there are some tools today that make uh, it a bit more fun than what was, you know, the method of learning in school uh, 20 years ago. Uh, I advise uh, about some of these uh, tools in my book. Yeah, so let's just talk about real quickly there. So if someone was 
feeling motivated like I am after reading the book, where do they start? What are, what are the tools that you'd recommend or places to start? Well, first, you need to have a basic vocabulary, right? So uh, for, for this, I recommend to use a software that follows uh, what is called the space repetition system. It's, it's like a, a proven, uh, a scientifically proven method that is very effective for you to learn for the long term. And uh, there is a, an app for this called Moza Lingua. Moza Lingua. Maybe I can show it on my on my um, on my on my phone. So uh, this is this, this app, you know, and it, it works with flashcards, you know. Uh, so here I see the the word in French, and it's like le jus. So I need to remember to 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 recall. Okay, what is the word in Portuguese? So it's au, au jus. Oh. Okay, I made a mistake, osuko. So I I put, okay, C again, you know? So you have four four different difficulties. You have uh, C again, difficult. Yeah, I remember it well, and I remember it perfectly. Okay, dangereux is perigoso, it's dangerous. Uh, perigoso. So here I remember it perfectly. So what happens with this? You have uh, immediately like um, um, a selection of the cards. All the cards that you remember perfectly, maybe you will see them in one month. All the cards that you remember well, you will see them in one week. And all the cards that you don't remember so well, you will see them tomorrow or today. So very fast, you see more often the words that you have trouble to remember, which is very effective, you know, because then you, you see them more often so you, you can remember more efficiently. And then yeah. the software tries to... it feels to... like a game, right? Like that's yeah, it's a what's game. most interesting about that to me is that it doesn't have that same kind of air of sort of dryness or boringness that languages at school had. It's like, oh, cool, I've got a nice app. I'm playing a game. Like, it's a fun thing to do rather than a chore. It is. And I mean, mm. you can use these apps uh, throughout your day very easily. You know, when you are waiting in line, when you are waiting in the restaurant for like a coffee, when you, when you are in the toilet, you know, you can use it like a few minutes. It's way better than scrolling on Facebook you know, randomly, uh, you you just can learn a language like this with a few minutes per day. Uh, I, I, I learned 5,000 cards uh, of Portuguese with these, and just this is enough for me to have uh, good conversations in Portuguese. So with these kind of apps, you can learn the vocabulary. You will not speak with a perfect grammar, but it's, it's, it will be enough for you to be understood. Then you, I advise you meet a lot of, uh, as many people as you can who speak this language. It's easy, uh, especially in big cities, to, to go to meetup of uh, speakers of a language. Uh, you uh, watch movies in this language, with, first with subtitles in your, uh, so in English, if, if English is your mother tongue, and then in the, sub in the language of uh, the language you want to learn, and then you travel, you know, and you try to practice as much as possible. And it's a great game, it's, a great, uh, it's fun, it's a great way to uh, entertain yourself when you are waiting, so there is no reason to not try to do it. Yeah, and I love that thing that it's like an interface between your thoughts and the world, and just how it helps you to see, uh, just see yourself in different ways as well. Um, let's, uh, oh, one thing I want to talk about from the education bit as well is media diets. I think this is something that's on people's minds a lot. Um, so you talk about just being very conscious of how you consume media. Do you want to just talk about your own media diet? Sure. Uh, so, um, I mean, I, I compare most people, they just consume media without really thinking, is it necessary? Is it helpful? Is it a good thing in my life? You know, so just do it because, uh, I mean, it's a habit. Everyone is doing it. And there is also this assumption that to be a good citizen, you need to uh, follow the, the news, you know? And, uh, well, that's one of the things that challenged in my book. I asked people, hey, are you really sure it's a good thing for you to follow the news? Uh, when you think about it, um, most of the news are about events that take place maybe thousands of kilometers from your place. Uh, I mean, okay, you know about them, but what actions can you do that will make a difference? Can you make a difference at all? If not, why is it necessary for you to learn about this? So obviously right now we are in a very special moment, you know, with the war in Ukraine. So I would say it's a kind of an exception because it's, I think it's a bit normal to be worried about that. But most of the time, um, when you really take a hard look at what is the advantage of following news, you will see that most of the news, you forget them after two weeks 
you didn't do anything about them and it's just a waste of time and a waste of uh, mental bandwidth. And I compare uh, these uh, mindless consumptions of news as uh, going to the McDonald's every day and having uh, you know uh, bad bad burgers as your your normal diet. Uh, it's fine to, to to eat a burger from time to time, but you need to be careful about what you eat uh, most of the time because uh, you know the output is uh, determined by the input, right? So if you eat really bad food all the time, you're gonna be fat and uh, not have energy, and maybe you will be in a bad mood. And it's the same with uh, content. If you put uh, bad contents in your mind all the time, what 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 will the output will be, you know? And there is this uh, bias in the human mind that makes us really more aware of the negative uh, news than the positive news. That's why the newspaper and the news industries is always focusing on uh, bad stuff because that's what gets our attention. And of course, it can be explained because uh, back in the days when we were uh, in the jungle, it was very important for us to be aware of the tiger, you know, uh, that was about to, to eat us. But nowadays, it's not so important. Uh, so I, I give a challenge, a very simple challenge in my book for people who want to try that. Because I mean, when I speak about this, more often than not, I, I meet uh, I met with a lot of uh, skepticisms. So I, I tell people, hey, be a skeptic, it's fine, but please be a good skeptic. Try it to see if really it's important for you or not. You know. So for seven days, don't follow the news at all, uh, and at, at Use this time to do something more useful for your brand. So learn a language, uh, read a book, etc., uh, etc., et and see. After seven days, first, did you die? Uh, second, do, uh, I, I, do you feel any uh, difference in your life? Uh, and third, did you learn something useful that you're gonna remember in a few years compared to news you will be uh, you will forget in a, in a few weeks? And um, I mean, usually people who, who do the experiments they see that it's working very well, then I advise to extend the experiment to 30 days and see what happens. And then if it works well for you, do it for the rest of your life. Um, and one of the funny things is when you do that, you transform all the other people who are not uh, doing a media diet in assistant that because all the very important news people will tell you about uh, automatically. So uh, it's, it's amazing to see the world suddenly transforming into like an assistant to filter the news for you. And what about like other, so I have a similar approach around news myself, but like what, uh, what about the other bits of information that sort of infect our brains? So social media and other stuff on your phone, like what's your, what's your approach around that stuff? Well, yeah, it's, it's harder and harder to, to, to become uh, isolated for, from that. You know, I would say, uh, be careful about uh, what you follow on the social medias. You can create like, uh, I, for example, on Instagram, I follow uh, really inspiring people, you know, like amazing entrepreneurs, artists, and this kind of stuff. I try to, to have a bubble of positivity and inspiration. Uh, it doesn't mean I, I'm like an ostrich and putting my head in the sun. It just means uh, I want to, to focus on my circle of influence, you know. There is this concept in the book, uh, The Seven Habits of uh, uh, Influential People. No, I don't remember exactly the title. Highly Effective uh, People. By Stephen, Stephen Covey. Covey. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an amazing uh, concept. It's like you have two circles. You have the circles of influence where you can really have an influence on things and the circle of preoccupations where you, are preoccup you have preoccupation about something, but you cannot do anything about it. Ideally, you want to focus your attention on your uh, your circle of influence. So if you, you are saying, hey, I'm following the news on the social medias because I want to be a better citizen, well, great. What, what about uh, uh, like improving the world locally where you are? And maybe try to focus on the local news to see if you can make a difference, you know, these kind of things. Um, so social media can be tricky. I, I would say try also maybe to have different profiles uh, because, for example, for me, I need I, I use social media for my for my business too. But maybe create another profile for, for for your personal use too. Yeah, I I have a real sort of on-off relationship with stuff like Instagram. So at the moment, my assistant Emily is the one who posts stuff on my Instagram, and I just I just don't want it on my phone. I just find that like once I'm on there, it becomes this kind of mindless scrolling very quickly. So I kind of have it on there for three days. Um, 
get some get some enjoyment out of it and then um and then delete it when i need to do some work and i use freedom quite a lot the the app freedom to to just kind of block out a lot of that stuff as well uh, which feels like quite a good segue into the subject of willpower um which you you cover in the book so willpower and habits um so it turns out that willpower is something that you can um treat as a muscle and you can learn and train your brain to have more willpower yes uh, so it's like uh, scientific studies that came out in like the the year 2000 so um so it's an evolving field you know uh, there were some uh, studies that were that criticized these uh, uh, like a few months ago so it's evolving all the time but basically the idea is uh, uh yeah you can train your willpower and there are, you, you can use exercise like you go to the gym to exercise your body you can exercise your willpower too one of the uh, the exercise and i think it's very uh, fun exercise to do you know it's very interesting and everyone can do it you uh, buy the, like uh, you know um, a sweet that you really like it can be chocolate or anything you know like a sweet that usually when you see it you really want to eat it right now so you, you buy one or a few ones you know and you put it in a very uh, prominent place in your home or it can be at your office too it, it can be close to your computer like somewhere where you will see it you know and the goal is to not eat it for quite a long time so you, you can start with uh, two days if it's very hard for you you can start with one week you can start with two weeks it depends of what you think will be the challenge for you can i start with two hours <laughs> You can if you want. I mean, it's baby steps, man, you know. <laughs> if, it's, if you can't do more than two hours, start with two hours, you know. Uh, and then try to improve all the time. So after after the time, you can eat it if you want or you can give it. It's, it's up to you. You know, at the start, maybe eat it. It's like the, the gift because you, you did the challenge. Uh, and uh, then tr- try to, to improve these. And it's going to be a good training for you to, uh, you know, you will still feel the 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 not the need the want to to eat it but you will respect this feeling less you will be like okay i I feel i want to eat that so what i don't have to act on it you know it's just a feeling i don't care and and i think it's a really really good training uh that is uh, is gonna give you a lot of benefits in your life Uh, i also um i think it's it's also transferred to to fear because fear is also a signal and a lot of people are paralyzed by fear and you can learn to respect less the signal of fear and to be like, okay, I'm afraid, so what? I can be afraid and still do it anyway, you know? Uh, And then it opens a whole new world of possibilities. That's really interesting. And you talk in the book about habits as well and um, how you can review your habits and then and plan to create better ones. You want to just talk about, uh, I'd love to just hear like some examples for, you know, from your own life. Like what, what did, what have you done that's really worked well for you in terms of reviewing habits and then replacing them with better ones? Sure. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing battle, you know, it's not because you managed to replace a bad habit by a good one that uh, you, you are, you, it's a win forever for your, the rest of your life. You need to always be aware of your trends, you know, um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, one of the things, I mean, before uh, this media diet, I was consuming a lot of news like everyone. And it was so amazing for me to replace this by uh, the fact of reading books uh, and uh, learning a language. I mean, the Portuguese, I, I, now I can speak very good, good Portuguese, not, not very good, good Portuguese. Uh, and I just took some time that I, I would have taken to consume the news. So it's such a great win when you think about it. And there are th- so many things like this, you know. So um, I advise people to make a list of the bad habits they have in their life. I mean, by bad, it can be, you know, it depends for what you, what are your goals, you know. But for example, um, I don't know in the, in the UK, but in France, people watch TV uh, like four hours a day on average. It's crazy. When, when I say TV, it can be also like, you know, Netflix and this kind of stuff which is it's so high when you think about it. I'm sure in the UK it's, it's close to this, you know, I don't know. Uh, but um, maybe if you watch TV for three hours or four hours a day, try to lower it by 30 minutes. And instead of doing this, uh, read for 30 minutes, you know. It doesn't have to be uh, one or zero. You can just, you know, uh, adjust a little bit the threshold. Um, you can also, I mean, if you uh, smoke, 
maybe try to lower the amount of cigarettes you smoke every day or ideally uh, you, uh, you you stop to smoke uh, if you um, if when you come back uh, from from, home, from 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 the work and you just scratch on your bed maybe try to uh, you give yourself like 10 minutes of being a potato coach and then uh, go to do some sport for five minutes you know I, I give in my book the, the the seven minutes workout I share it which is a great way to, to do sport without taking much time it really takes seven minutes a, a, a day so try to do this at least once a week when you start then twice a week and you know very fast you, you can just replace a bit of bad habits by good habits and it's gonna make uh, it's gonna make a hell of a difference in your life you know it's also the concept of um, uh, this book of uh, what is the name you know that like small changes after a while it creates a world of difference if you replace just one part of pizza you eat every week by a salad after a few years it can make a big difference in your health uh, how you look your energy etc etc and there's something really appealing about that too, isn't there? Because if you, let's say someone is watching three or four hours of TV every evening, it's like the chances are, I mean, some of that is people watch TV because it's the easiest thing. But often it's like, that's the highlight of somebody's day, isn't it? It's like watching the Netflix series or whatever. So going from four hours to zero hours just feels, you know, it feels almost like cruel. It feels too much of a big change. And so I think the idea of just these small changes, there's that um, book where it sort of talks about the, I remember the um, title of the book, but it's like, um, the idea is like 1% incremental change. So if you just every day just get better by 1%, then, you know, over the course of a year, that's an ex exponential change. But at the time, it always feels small. So I really like that approach, you know, just take half an hour of that TV time and turn it into a book or, you know, five minutes of exercise, like making these things really easy for yourself in the beginning and then you've got something to build on it's just like it's such a good approach isn't it to that kind of stuff yeah and and you know make it an experiment make it fun you know uh, and you can make your whole life an experiment i think it's very exciting to do it you know uh i'm always looking for new experiments to do in my life for example for example um uh, so it's been like three years and a half i'm doing the intermittent fasting so i skip breakfast and uh but like uh last year i was like hey it's been two years and a half, I'm doing these. What about I do a 30-day challenge where I will eat a breakfast every morning to see if, it, if there is a difference, you know? So sometimes you can do a reverse test also to see uh, if it's good for you to continue the habit. And uh, this year, I'm doing a, a challenge of doing a two days and a half fast every quarter and to do a, a four or five days fast in the year. So... So, I, so I like two and a half to, days with no, like continuously with no food. No food, yeah. I, I can, I can drink water. I can drink water. Okay. I'm not supposed to drink coffee, but usually I drink coffee. It's my little, you know, uh, cheat. Uh, but coffee yeah. without sugar, yeah, no calories at all. Uh, and yeah, um, you know, uh, fasting is a great example. A lot of people think it's super hard to do. And uh, a lot of people have misconceptions about it. You know, they think like if they don't eat for two days, they're gonna, uh, you know, uh, uh, be uh, sleep all day long. But it's not like this, you know. And it's very easy for everyone to try to fast for 24 hours. Super easy. Uh, I think anyone can try it. Uh, obviously, not some people with some disease, you know. So maybe check with your doctor first. But uh, yeah, that's something. That's an example of like something like most people are afraid to do or they don't think they can do it. And when they try, they see it's not just such a big deal. Yeah, and the easy version of fasting is to go back to, so the word breakfast is, you know, the idea is breaking fast, right? And so the original idea was that you would have like a 12-hour fast before you eat breakfast. So basically, if you have bre breakfast at 7 a.m., the last thing you eat should be 7 p.m., and then you have that 12 hours. And so that's one of the things that, um, so I wrote this uh, book with, Colette Hennigan, who's a nutritionist here, how to have the energy. And one of the things about um, energy was, you know, if you have that 12 hour fast every 24, it just allows for that like recovery in your digestive systems and stuff. So there's the there's the kind of easier um, way that everybody can do it if doing it for 24 hours kind of feels uh, like it's a bit too much. Um, should we just move on? I just want to talk about um, the idea of happiness. So I like I'm really interested in the, the kind of interface 
um, between sort of productivity and happiness and work-life balance. And we talk a, a lot about that on the podcast. And one of your things around happiness is to be in control of your own destiny and coming back to that freedom thing um, again. Um, but do you think everybody, do you think to be happy, you have to have your own business? I mean, it depends. For me, I think I will be, it, it will be hard for me to be this happy without a business, you know. But of course, it's not the case for everyone. Uh, so no, you don't need to have a business to be happy. But it depends. Some, for, for, I think for some kind of people, you will be always less happy than you could be if you don't work for yourself, you know. If you don't create something uh, that, that you are proud of. So... Um, yeah, it's not mandatory, but I think in a lot of cases, it can really increase it. But okay, also, don't get me wrong. Most people, when they create their company and they grow it, uh, they do it the wrong way. They become the slave of their business and it can be a great way to be unhappy. Uh, I mean, I, I, I lived it, you know, so I can speak from experience. So and a, yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they, they are at the end, they are just burned out. <laughs> and they want to exit the stuff as, as fast as possible. So you need to be careful, obviously. It's not like a magic uh, trick, right? But if you do it the right way, I think it's possible to have a business that is in service of your life. If, if you can have this, you have so much more freedom uh, than the average person that, I don't know, you have more time and opportunities to explore what you love, to uh, know yourself better, and to find something that fulfills you from the inside, no? Uh, I'm sure yeah. you, you, you've heard of the uh, Japanese concept of Ikigai, right? Mm. Do you know we, Ikigai? Well, you talk about it in the book, right? Uh, yeah, very fast. I mean, it's like, uh, it's a yeah. very interesting co Japanese concept. It's like at the cross uh, path of four things. So you, you find your Ikigai. You can, you can translate by, uh, I don't know, in French, it's raison d'être. You say that in English too, right? Raison d'être, like uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had, yeah. your reason to live, basically, to be. Your reason we to be. We adopted that one, yeah. Okay, okay, mm. yeah. So uh, <laughs> and you, you find it if you have four things. If you do something that you're passionate about, that makes you money, that you are uh, skillful uh, about and that is your mission in life. Mission is life is what uh, Gandhi said, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. If you have a business or it can be a career or whatever, you know, that have these four things, you find your ikigai, your reason to be. And uh, it's not easy so to find. So that's like the middle of the Venn diagram, like you have to, yeah, it's like circles exactly. is the way it's often expressed, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think if you find your Ikigai, it's so much easier to be happy, right? Uh, because, I mean, everything is aligned. I think, actually, there is something, something missing in this concept is time. Uh, because uh, you can be passionate about, I don't know, like surfing, if you do it 10 hours a week. But if you do 30 hours a week, you will just hate the thing, you know? So there is also this concept of balance. And also time uh, on the long, uh, you know, term, like uh, maybe after 10 years, you want to do something else, you know. So you also want to have this in mind. Um, but yeah, I think the Ikigai is a great like northern star to have, like a, like this goal to try to reach. My, my first business was not an Ikigai. I was passionate about computers. I was good uh, with them. Uh, I, I was making money with them, but it was not my mission in life. Uh, I was not feeling like super connected to the idea, okay, let's make the world a better place by uh, do, making the computer of people better. You know, it was not, I was not so excited about this. Now I have my Ikigai because I'm helping people to create and grow their business and be more free and everything is aligned. And it took me 10 years to find it. So it's fine if your first business idea or your first adventure or creation is not your Ikigai, you know, but to have this in mind is I think a great, great way to uh, to try to, improve your happiness in the long term yeah and it's interesting isn't it because often people are often people ask themselves that question you know am i living to work or working to live and it sounds like you know you you might answer both with that question would that be right yeah uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there is this uh, very famous Confucius quote that says, uh, hey, if you find a work you love, you will never work for the rest of your life. And you can hear that a lot. I mean, a lot of people are talking about it. But when you look around you and you ask yourself, okay, how many people I know are really passionate about what they are doing? 
you see uh, most of them are not so passionate about, about their job, unfortunately. And when you look at the stats, you know, uh, there was a, a big uh, poll uh, about with 200,000 people all over the world. And I, th I don't remember the, the numbers, but it's at, they are at the beginning of my book. It's like maybe 15% uh, of people are, are passionate about their job on average, which is very bad when you think about it. And uh, maybe it's uh, 15 also people who hate their job. Which is all so bad. I mean, and, and then the, there is a middle who, yeah, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's fine. You know, it's good. Okay. Why not? You know, which I don't think it's a good place to be. Uh, I mean, it's comfortable. And I speak about uh, concrete sleepers in my book. I don't know if you remember it, but a lot of people have these concrete sleepers. They are comfortable, but it's also uh, paralyzing and they, they feel something is off, you know, because they are like stuck in this comfortable life and they are a bit afraid or very afraid to uh to disrupt it yeah I, I, the concrete slippers thing is interesting and um i suppose this is like it's so because so, you talk about the four-hour work week and the effect that that ha had on you i read that at a similar time um you know when that first came out and um i think i'd already read the the e-myth michael gerber's book which is just a very influential book around um setting up a business and essentially his um you know his main sort of message in that I took from that book anyway is is about like how you define the roles in your business so that you can delegate stuff out and then that allows you to to grow and scale um, and you have that mindset of a sort of um sort of franchisee as you're doing it but like it sort of strikes me that with the concrete slippers and with all of that it's easier it's easier to do that um the younger you are and like the less sort of um like the more ability you have to have energy to put loads of hours in the less I think you, you even say at one point in the in the book like you know the less dependencies you have like if you've got kids and a mortgage and you know a partner and so on like it's just harder to do that kind of stuff so what do you say to those people you know I was kind of lucky myself to be able to do a lot of what you're talking about in the book um at a, at a younger age but if I was starting now I just it would just feel you know irresponsible to be taking those kind of risks so like what do you think about someone who's listening to this who maybe is slightly later in life how do they start yeah it's a great question i mean uh, I, I think it's true in most cases that the longer you wait the harder it is uh but it doesn't mean it's impossible and it doesn't mean you can't do it uh i mean i started very young at 18 so yes i didn't have a lot of things to lose you know but also i didn't have any money I didn't have any experience. I was very naive, you know, I was a teenager. And uh, I, I, di I didn't have any network, I didn't know anyone. So in a way, it was harder to start at 18 than at 40. Uh, so you, yes, I had less to lose, but also I didn't know anything about life, you know? And if like a teenager, I didn't know how to dress well. I, I, I had this geek with big glasses, you know, this geek look. Uh, I, I, I was so shy, I couldn't talk to girls. So if, if a shy teenager can create, can drop school and create his company so young, I, I'm sure you have way more advantages than him. So I'm sure you, you, you can do something too. But what I advise, you know, there are basically two uh, big schools of thought in entrepreneurship about the, the risk-taking uh, method. There are the people that say, hey, you need to burn your ships. So you have only two options. Either you succeed or you die, you know, uh, basically. Or you end up in the street with, uh, with uh, no money. Uh, and pe people uh, who advise this method, they say, if you do this, you will be very motivated to uh, succeed, which is true. But also, I think I, I don't like this approach because I think it's too risky. Uh, the second approach that I advise that I use in my life is to take measured risk. Okay, small risk and risks that are not gonna disrupt your life. So uh, it, it can seem crazy to drop school at 18 to start uh, your first company, but I didn't do it uh, like, uh, like this. I didn't wake up one morning and said, okay, I will drop school today. I did an experiment to, to see if my idea of having an IT business was a good one. Uh, we, we had this idea with a friend because we saw that a lot of people were asking us uh, to solve their computer problems and we were solving it like this, you know, very easily. And we didn't say, okay, let's drop school and uh, do, uh, you know, a business plan and start a company. No, we were like, okay, how can we be sure we can make money with this idea? 
So we did a very simple experiment. We paid like uh, 10 euros um, for a small ad in a local newspaper and we to, to, uh, ad, to do some advertising for, for our, our services. And in one month, we made 800 euros, which is not so much. But at the time we, we were teenagers, we had maybe 10 euros of uh, pocket money every, every, every week. So for, for, for us, it was crazy. And we saw it was profitable. We saw the customers, they were happy with our services. They were giving us money. And we, we saw we had the skills to do that. And I will never have dropped school so young without this experiment. These experiments gave me the, the confidence that I could do it. And that's why I advise people to do. Uh, what experiment can you do in your life that will give you confidence to move forward? Uh, you know, and ideally this experiment, it, it should not take so much time, energy and money to do. Uh, and nowadays with internet, you can, you can do so many experiments. I did the same thing when I, uh, I switched uh, my focus from my uh, IT business to my uh, internet business. I didn't stop or sell my IT business like this, you know. Uh, I was like, okay, maybe this uh, web business is a good idea, maybe not. What I will do is create uh, these blogs. At the same time, I'm still uh, managing the company. And of course, I, did that. I, I needed to do some sacrifice, you know, uh, because I was already, already working a lot in my company. But, you know, I, I didn't disrupt my life. I didn't stop what I was doing. I, I just added a small experiment to see if, it, if it, it was working. And it worked. And when it started to work, then I started to sell the first company uh, piece by piece. And, you know, I did things very gradually. That's what I advise people to do. That's the same thing as what we talked about uh, previously about habits. Start small, you know. Uh, it's too scary and overwhelming to change like bad habits, uh, like four hours of TV uh, per day, like suddenly, you know, start small and build on this. It's really true, isn't it? And um, Elizabeth Gilbert has a lovely analogy where uh, when she's talking to people about their careers and choices and stuff, she says, um, don't ask what do you want to do, ask what do you want to do that you're prepared to eat the shit sandwich that goes with it? And so it's like, if you, oh, yeah, I want to be a lawyer. Okay, do you want to work 90 hours a week for the next like 20 years? Well, no, not really. I want to be a circus performer. Yeah, but do you want to risk getting injured? You know, so it's finding the thing that you're prepared to to sort of live with whatever sacrifice goes with it. And like often when I'm talking to people, you know, in their 40s, 50s, and it's like they're in, a, you know, an employment wage job and they're sort of look, they're looking and exploring about the idea of a business like, Often the first place I start when I'm talking to them is to say, you know, how like how cheaply can you live for the next couple of years? And, you know, is that something that you're prepared to do to make this happen? Because I often think like that's really the the key test, isn't it? Like, I mean, I think you say it in the book um, for yourself and it's true for me that you don't really pay yourself a lot in the first couple of years as you're getting stuff going. So you have to kind of you have to sort of give yourself that that um, sort of cushion in a way that minimizes the risk, right? Absolutely, yeah. You, I mean, when you start, you put your knife between your teeth, you know, and you 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 try to to put all your 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 chances with you. I mean, like to uh, to have better odds, you know. So yeah, don't give yourself a, a good salary. Uh, at the start, you have to work a lot, you know. Then you will, uh, when it starts to work well, you can think about how to have a better balance between your professional life and your personal life, etc., etc. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then the final question I was going to ask you just before we finish: so the book is the way of the intelligent rebel, and when you wrote it in French, that was five years ago. So I just wanted to know what have you learned about business or about your own life in that five years so that when you came to do the the translated version like what what's new in there that that you wouldn't have known five years ago so uh, i did a second edition of the french book in 2019 so uh, you know I, I i updated some things and and the english version was uh, also i adapted a lot of things so it's based on the 2020 uh, manuscript so it's not so you know uh so old um and you know um i mean for for a long time I, I have been in a very awesome place because uh, since 2012, I, I make more money than I can spend. I inspire thousands of people every month. I travel all over the world. I have this freedom that people who make more money than me don't, don't have. And I feel very blessed about it. 
uh, and still my business is growing, you know, um, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm learning a lot of things, uh, but I don't feel the need so much to do it uh, because, I mean, I'm, I'm a continuous learner, so it's, it's kind of a habit for me uh, anyway. But w w one of the things I learned in five years is um, to uh, delegate even more. I, I know I talk a lot about delegation in, in my book, but when I first wrote it, I didn't have a right arm, you know, I didn't have like a... Uh, how do you say in English, like a CEO, you know? And uh, now I have one and it's such a game changer. And actually she lives in London. Uh, I, I, I live in London for three years. Yes, I live in London for three years. Uh, I really liked it actually. Uh, and uh, I met her in London and uh, she's, she's great. She, she's, a, she's a French, but living in London, she has been living in London for 20 years. And she's also perfectly bilingual, which I like, you know. Uh, so just to have a CEO, now she manages the team, she uh, recruits people. We are more or less 30 people right now, I told you. Not everyone works uh, full-time. So, you know, if I, I, I would uh, aggregate everyone into full-time person, maybe it would be 15, something like this. Uh, and um, yeah, it's just so much better to have a, a, a general manager in your, in your company that manage people for you. Before I could procrastinate for months, I knew I needed someone in my team and I, I, I would procrastinate for months the, the recruitment because I, I just hate the process of recruiting people, you know, of uh, doing the talks and stuff. And now I just say Elisa to Elizabeth, hey Elizabeth, we need this profile. Can you recruit someone please? And she does it and it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing, De delegation. And uh, if that's something that's available to you, do more of it. I think that's a, a really good, uh, less than if you're in that situation. Um, Olivier, thank you so much for being on Beyond Busy. Where do people um, connect with you and find out more? I know you've got lots of stuff out there online. Like, uh, what do you want to sort of point people towards? So for English speakers, uh, I'm, I mean, I have a small YouTube channel called Olivier Roland English. <laughs> so, and of course there is my book, uh, The Way of the Intelligent Rebel. Uh, and for, for people yeah. who speak French, you can easily find a lot of resources uh, if you type my name in Google. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on Beyond Busy. Thank you, Graham. It was a blast. So there you go, Olivier Roland. And it was really nice to, to just kind of reconnect with the some of the ideas, uh, obviously from Olivier's work, but you know that whole conversation that we had around, around Tim Ferriss and the four-hour work week, which I've sort of had a bit of a love-hate relationship with. I really enjoyed it when it first came out. Then I could start to see a lot of people taking it in quite a sort of let's say quite sort of posy or douchey sort of direction. It just felt very like, oh, look at me, I can cheat a tango and, and stuff. And um, yeah, it didn't feel very authentic. And it's like, well, isn't the whole point to do work that you really love and that you feel makes a contribution rather than just phoning it in and, um, you know, lying on a beach. I think that becomes pretty meaningless pretty quickly. And it has to, it has to be said also that, um, you know, Tim Ferriss's own perspectives on a lot of that stuff I sort of stopped following him or stopped really kind of you know reading or listening to any of his stuff for a long time uh, I didn't like his early podcasts as well I, I thought he was um uh just a very clunky interviewer but his recent podcasts have been phenomenal and I think his um his output in the last few years has just got so much more thoughtful and introspective and um, I think he's a, just a really interesting guy. So he's someone I'd love to have on this podcast. I'd love to um, sit down with Tim Ferriss at some point. So um, yeah, maybe we'll keep that one in the uh, in the back burner as as one to do. Um, but yeah, really nice just to um, reconnect with some of those ideas and the eighty twenty rule. And um, and I'm genuinely contemplating when am I going to uh, do some total immersion and go learn a language because those apps that Olivier talks about and just. I'm someone who, as you were saying there, you know, when you're English, it, you're kind of at a bit of a dis disadvantage when it comes to learning languages, especially, and I didn't say this in the episode, but you know, when you go to Paris and you try and speak French and like all the French people there just look at you in this like really condescending way. And they're like, they just reply in English and you're like, I'm just trying, I'm in the boulangerie, I'm doing my best, you know, it's like, it, it isn't easy sometimes uh, when you're that bad at languages to do that uh, sort of total immersion stuff. Uh, but yeah, it really got me excited with um, just listening to the enthusiasm with which Olivia talked about learning languages. So definitely uh, something I'm thinking about over the next few months as well. 
Um, so yeah, really enjoyed that episode. And um, as ever, we're sponsored by Think Productive. And I uh, just want to shout out and say a big thank you to my producer, Pavel, on the podcast and Emily, who keeps everything um, ticking over behind the scenes in terms of guests and keeping everyone happy and uh, the production schedule and everything else. So yeah, really grateful to have such a good team um, working on this podcast and our incredible sponsors, which are Think Productive. So if you're interested in workshops and coaching, if you have learning and development uh, needs within your organization, then Think Productive can help. Um, we specialize uh, and our kind of origins were in productivity. So things like getting your inbox to zero, helping you to work in a hybrid team, helping to fix your meetings. But we now go far beyond that. So project management, leadership, anything else you can think of really that will um, just enhance your team and help your people to do their best work. So uh, drop us a line, thinkproductive.com and you'll find your local office around the world um, from that page, so thinkproductive.com. Cool, we're back in two weeks with another episode. Um, so I hope you're keeping well, I hope you're enjoying the sunshine, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. So until then, take care. Bye for now. <laughs>